Lats 904 presents This Week in North Florida Lacrosse. Brought to you by First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, Derek Prince Realtor, and M Shack on 1010XL. Now here's your host, Ray Carnicelli. This week in LAX 904, I am Ray Carnicelli, joined by Christopher Milo. This week in LAX 904, another big week of lacrosse action. We've got an action-packed show for you today. Number 12, Jacksonville University defeated St. John's by a score of 17-9. They are 5-1, completed that out-of-conference schedule with a 5-1 record, and we'd like to welcome on and jump right into it with the head coach of the JU Dolphins, Coach John Galloway. Coach, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, Ray. Good morning. Coach, thanks so much for joining. You had uh, commented in the post-game, uh, uh, in your post-game commentary, three wins in three states in less than a week. The big win up in, in New York yesterday, 17-9 over a tough St. John's team. One of the things that jumped out at me, not having been able to watch the game, was is it true that 15 of the 17 goals were assisted? Yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I sat at the game on the way home last night, and you know, when I stat it, I, I tracked the goals as well, and I kept writing down assists. And usually we're about 50 to 60% assisted goals, and I believe the first 12 goals were assisted. And uh, it's it partly because of how St. John's defends. They slide a lot and forced us to be really unselfish with the ball, but a lot of it had to do with the unselfishness of our guys, which uh, specifically Brandon Galloway. I thought he was unselfish. He could have taken shots. Instead, he chose to, to, to dish it and, you know, made it really easy for our attack to collect. Five and one in the out-of-conference. You're zero and zero right now. Before we jump into the upcoming conference play, what is your overall feeling of the development from January, February to where you are now here mid-March? Yeah, I think, you know, if you take a step back, and Coach Brzezinski said this last night, and, and look at our injuries and look at, you know, the amount of new guys that we have in the rotation. And if you told us that we would have been five and one against our out of conference play, I think we would have all taken that. So uh, we are happy. We are happy with where we are. Um, we certainly need to continue to, to, you know, assess where we are in, in, in areas of the game that have kind of faltered over the last two weeks, but um, to, to win against some really tough opponents, to win on the road, to win at home. Um, you know, we've, we've learned a lot of lessons in the first few weeks and now we get to, reassess and, and lick our wounds a little bit and get ready for a really tough slate coming up. Yeah, Dylan Watson was 5-1. and one. Max Waldbaum was 4-3. and three. You mentioned uh, uh, Galloway, who, you know, 2-4, and four, so unselfish, but stacking up points nonetheless. And uh, so many people getting points in, in that game. Was it was – it, uh, first of all, not having watched it, what you, – you're losing your voice. Was it rough weather? <laughs> You know, it actually wasn't too bad. It was just a, it was a heck of a trip. And, um, yeah, I certainly three games in seven days, I think did my vocal cords in, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was one of those games where everybody got involved. I mean, you know, Dylan had 19 shots, you know, and, and I think a lot of those you, you'd like to think would go in on another day and, um, yeah, you still scored 17. So 
credit to St. John's. I thought their goalie was unbelievable. I mean, he made some incredible saves, especially in the first half. He made three saves on one possession, one on his butt, one back. Swaldbaum gets a rebound, and he throws a stick up. So, I mean, give, give a lot of credit to St. John's for being able to keep us under 20 because I thought we were getting opportunities. You know, once again, trying to decipher what really happened from the stats. Just one thing that jumped out at me. Did did you stick with Luke in the man down? You know, a uh, really cool story. And, and so it'll evolve as, as the year goes on. But Jason Oquinto actually just got a full-time job. And, and uh, you know, this was actually his first week and couldn't travel on Friday. So he had to stay home. And Luke and Luke and Josh Estavillo did a great job of, of filling in those voids. And, uh, we were man down plenty, and, and Luke got his first man down rep. So uh, another story and narrative that uh, evolves as the year goes on. Oh, very, very nice. Uh, another, you know, thing that jumped out at me on the stats: you guys took a, a ton of shots. The, and, and the last two games, there's only been a minute worth of penalties against your opponents. I noticed in the last game there was, I don't think, any penalties uh, against UMass Lowell, and then just two thirty seconds uh, yesterday. Is it? The fact that you guys are just getting the ball out of your stick so fast, they don't have time to touch you, or is it just an oddity? It, 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 that's very strange to me. Yeah, it is, and it's a bit frustrating because we would like to get some, some reps for our man-up crew. But, um, yeah, I think part of it is I think we're pretty strong. I think we're a strong unit on that end. I think we stay on our feet, which I, I'm proud of as a coach. That uh, I think we, we stand and we hold our ground, which uh, often means we don't get a ton of flags. But um, you know, that could certainly change. You, you never know. Each game flow is a little bit differently. So we'll say to be prepared, but nice to see us put one in on man up. I thought we had some good looks on our second play as well. So we'll continue to develop that unit. We're going to need that unit going to the conference. Switching over to the, the A-Sun, I've been following them a little closer. And, you know, obviously Bellerman's off to a great start. If you look at uh, Utah, it doesn't look good uh, record-wise, but then you look at their opponents and the scores, and you know we all know how good Utah is and Air Force, and like I said, Bellarmine playing probably the best they have in a long, long time. What's your overall feel of the A-Sun as you get ready to go up to uh, Robert Morris next week? Yeah, I think the A-Sun had a really great out-of-conference schedule. I mean, you look at just yesterday, Air Force, you know, beating Bryant and, and Robert Morris going toe-to-toe with High Point, right to the end at High Point, and Bellerman beating a really good Marquette team and, and starting five and one. And, you know, um, Utah, if you look at their record, sure. But if you look at their teams, man, they're, they're really good. And, 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 you know, on and on Cleveland state won again yesterday and you're starting to see teams get hot in conference. So, it, you know, as we walked out of that stadium yesterday, we said, Hey, the next nine games are going to be the, the true Testament of what this team is, how professional we can be, um, you know, how, how much growth can we have this time of year while trying to get healthy? And then ultimately, can we give ourselves a chance to play in the NCAA tournament? Coach, some people have asked me this question. I wanted to pass it on to you. The Is it is it NCAA tournament or bust? Is that, is that fair to the team to say? I, I think it is. I, I'd be naive to pretend like we're not talking about that. Um, you know, this team is, this team is talented and, and, and we have high expectations and, you know, yeah, I have to understand, too, that in our situation, that might come down to one day. Uh, and, and certainly your team isn't a reflection of just one day. But um, our, our goals are, are high and our standards are pretty high. And, and our players have the same expectations. So I, I think it is. And, and we're excited about that, that bar being raised. And I said to Coach P and Coach Cornell yesterday, I mean, we're 5-1 and one and we're, we're leaving the stadium. And 
we were really disappointed. We felt like we were, there was a lot left to fix. And, you know, just a few years ago, we would have done anything to have five wins by March 18th. So, um, you know, they have to have some perspective. But at the same time, I think the standard has changed. And that's good. That's good for the coaches and it's good for the players. Coach, congratulations on a good half a season. Uh, we're all looking forward to the, the, the stretch run in, in the conference play. But one thing I just wanted to say kudos to you and the staff is the, the talent development. People, that's another thing I get asked. How much talent development is there in college? And I say, well, when there's a good coaching staff, there's a lot. And I've seen players get better or the best being brought out in them. And the number of players that you've been able to get on the field in and contribute to in quality time is just astounding. I don't know if I've ever seen so many talented players fighting for positions at every position. You, the, the LSMs, I went into the season not knowing any of them, I think. I mean, a little bit. Some of the guys were injured that I knew. But now I, I see these guys, you know, four or five deep at LSM. I, I'm learning their numbers finally because they're they're in the middle of the play. Um just before we go, talk to me a little bit about the player of development. And part of it's, you know, rewarding guys who work hard in practice, but more importantly, it's the guys that you trust to contribute, and there's so many of them. Yeah, I appreciate that, Ray. And there's a lot of guys that don't get their name called enough on game day and, and, are, and are earning it in practice. And even this past Monday when, you know, we played on Saturday night and traveled Sunday, and, you know, we thought about taking the day off, and we thought, you know what, there's a lot of guys that are really on the brink of, of breaking in and, and we gave that rest days to about 25 guys who played. And then we practiced with the other 35. And uh, those days are so valuable because, you know, for a lot of those guys, they don't play, you know, Friday at pregame, Saturday on game day, Sunday, you know, on our off day. So to have a chance to develop just those guys and to have all eyes on them, I think that they're starting to, to feel the confidence and the growth. And, um, you know, I think the coaches are, have done a good job of making sure we're keeping those guys in line because, as you've seen, we, we've needed them. We've needed them to step up in big moments, and, and now we feel like we have a, a really deep unit on both sides of the ball. One last thing before we let you go. Sean Jenkins from the Jaguars attended practice. I saw the picture of the guys uh, you know, cracking up when he was uh, addressing them. You talked a little bit about his speech about brand. Can you just uh, quickly give us a rundown on, on what that was all about? Yeah, first of all, so thankful that Rayshon, uh, his agent is a old friend of mine that I met through when I was at Syracuse and is now out in Colorado. And um, he offered that Rayshon come speak to the team and we jumped on it. And uh, his message was unbelievable. I mean, it was unscripted. Uh, we had not talked previous. He came in and everything he said pertained to somebody in our team, whether it was transition from college to, to the NFL and being a young guy and, and making sure that you knew every position and understood that your name was going to be called and, grass better be ready when it does to the brand and, and how you act off the field to being a professional, you know, how you chase the ball. If the run plays on the other side of the field and, and our guys ask great questions and Rayshon's answered just nailed and hammered the nail home with so many of our guys, just in terms of work ethic and how you represent yourself off the field and, you know, just how you play the game. And, uh, and then he hung out for like the entire practice. I mean, we are huge Rayshon Jenkins fans and his message meant a lot to us going into this That's week. Awesome. Uh, two-way midi, shutdown defender, or offensive just blazer? Which, where <laughs> you, where know, you put him? I'm going to say probably defensive midi. He he talked about how much he craves contact. And, awesome. uh, shoot, guys like that, Tucker Garrity, I feel like would play well with Rishon. 
Well, Coach, congratulations once again on the win. I, I said I, all I wanted was a one-goal win. You did a little bit better than that, 17-9. to Congratulations on the first half of the season, and uh, let's go bring back the W from Pittsburgh. Thanks, Ray. Have a great day. That's Coach John Galloway of the 5-1 and JU Dolphins, number 12 ranked. We're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to This Week in Lax 904 on 1010XL. Keep your head on a swivel. It's This Week in North Florida Lacrosse with Ray Carnicelli on 1010XL. Welcome back to This Week in Lax 904. Ray Carnicelli and Chris Milo. What a great conversation with Coach. His voice was hoarse, but... Three wins in three states in seven days. They're 5-1, and one and they're out of conference. They're number 12 in the country. They've got Robert Morris next week. I uh, pr- really appreciate Coach Galloway joining. They, you know, they flew in from New York probably late yesterday, and uh, he's Johnny on the spot this morning. Yeah, it's always great to hear Coach Galloway after, after wins. Uh, great start to the season. I'm interested to see what they do uh, next weekend against uh, Robert Morris. Well, well, we'll talk a little bit more about Jacksonville University. We'll talk about Flagler College. Boy, they battled St. Leo, a two-goal loss yesterday. It's a game that they kind of got blown out last year. We're going to talk about some of the local alumni from our area high schools who had big days yesterday. We'll go into some detail, but just a little tease. Jack Dowd, five goals in the first quarter for Salisbury versus York. He's got 16 on the season. Eric Dobson, four goals and an assist. Uh, in, a, in a big win over Ohio State for Notre Dame. He's got 13 goals on the season. Dylan Hess got to play in front of all of his Pontevedra guys who are up there in Virginia playing high school games uh, in a Georgetown win. He's pretty much a defensive midi uh, wing guy on the faceoff, so we're not seeing the offensive stats, but anyone who's watched Dylan plays knows that he can just I've, – I've seen him play goalie. We've seen him jump in on Sunday, so he, he can do it all. We want to welcome on our next guest, the CEO of Inside Lacrosse, Terry Foy. Terry, how are you this morning? I'm great, Ray. And you mentioned, uh, with respect to Coach Galloway's Johnny on the spotness, that uh, he lost an hour of sleep. So even more oh. impressive that he was able to uh, to make it make it on so early this morning. That's a good point, Terry. Terry, love the inside lacrosse coverage, your your podcast with Nick Ocello, and all of uh, the activities that you do to keep us up to date. We're so busy here trying to keep up with Jacksonville University and Flagler College in Division Two, all of our high schools and our alumni who are playing in college and contributing. Uh, so inside lacrosse is my source to catch up on everything outside of 904. Um, you know, I mentioned a couple of names, Jack Dowd at Salisbury, Eric Dobson, uh, who y- you obviously are aware of, and um, Dylan Hass, and there's so many guys from our area. Uh, just let's start off with Eric Dobson because, you know, we've all, he was our high school area, you know, Lax 904 player of the year a couple years ago, and he's been on the scene for a couple years, but he seems uh, with the Kavanaugh's and the rest of the weapons around him to really have stepped up. No question. And I think that it's a function of a number of factors, uh, kind of Notre Dame in general, really finding their stride and coming out of the gate strong. I think the motivation that they brought to this season after missing the NCAA tournament last year is pretty clear. But I think that Eric represents something on that team that they wouldn't be able to find anywhere else. And it starts from his stretch shooting, his ability to essentially pull defenses out of where they want to be because his ability to score goals from 17 yards out probably second to none in terms of the entire landscape of college lacrosse. And once he does that, I thought this was very significantly on display in Notre Dame's 
one-sided win over Georgetown, which I attended, and defenses start to pull themselves out to him, his ability to then take advantage of that and kind of like a basketball player attacking an aggressive closeout, run past a guy, a defender who's trying to prevent him from taking that dangerous long-range shot and score on the run. Once those two things happen in a game, particularly if it's early in a game, Notre Dame has their opponent right where they want him, and it's exclusively because of of his very unique ability in terms of, like I said, that dangerous outside outside shot. Terry, I had Coach Galloway on a moment a moment ago, and one thing I asked him was if it was fair for us as fans to consider it NCAA or bust. Is that fair to the team? Uh, meaning, win the A Sun Conference. I, I, you know, getting an at large bid that that's always an outlier in in these mid major conferences. And he he said yes. And after the after the Johns Hopkins loss, he said that he felt this team was better than they were last year. It's just that Johns Hopkins was even better. And then after the Duke win, he he said that they expected to win that game last year and this year. And you know, sometimes coaches speak coach speak, and he doesn't do that. It wasn't just Duke being Duke. He feels that Jacksonville's a better team than. Duke. And so here we are, 5-1, and one, with the only blemish being Johns Hopkins, a nice win against High Point in North Carolina, St. John's, UMass Lowell. Now they have Robert Morris up next. Do you think it's fair that it's NCAA tournament or bust for this team? Well, if the coach thinks so, I certainly think so. I think, well, first of all, let me say, I mean, to your point about the at-large bid being an outlier, I was thinking about that on Monday, on Friday night after Duke beat Loyola, you know, Loyola has a win over Maryland and they themselves are now four and two, which is in terms of the way that the RPI works, a really functional benefit, right? You know, have a win over a team that's six one, who then has a team has wins over teams that have good records themselves. That's a, that is what, you know, creates the formation or the foundation for the RPI. So, you know, I started to look into it a little bit. It's still way, way too early to speculate. And the, the, the simple fact is that because the ace Sun is such a big conference and, you know, such a wide-ranging conference in terms of the experience and the quality of the opponents. Uh, it's unlikely that that Jacksonville's RPI itself is going to stay high enough in order to warrant them at large consideration. But it does seem realistic that they might have a top five win at the end of the season, which has been such a pivotal factor in tournament selection and seeding. So just something to keep an eye on and something that I was thinking about. But as far as what it means for getting to the NCAA tournament, I mean, certainly. You know, for a coach to set that standard for its program, I, I think that you know it, it's it's a it's a mark of development, I guess is what I would say. Because certainly, you 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 know, to your point about coach speak, one game at a time, focused on the task at hand. You know, we'll, we'll worry about qualifying for the NCAA tournament if we put ourselves in that position on the last day of the season. But in terms of the, the intermediate and long term goal setting, you know, I'm sure that they sat down at the beginning of this year and said this is what we expect of ourselves and we are going to conduct our business in a way that reflects that. And so given that under coach Galloway, they have gotten to that last day of the season multiple times and fallen short. It's reasonable to say our expectation and our standard, we are going to, we are going to operate in a way that demonstrates and is commensurate with the fact that we want to make the NCAA tournament. The only kind of caveat is that by being in a new conference and competing against new teams for that thing, right, that, that win on the last day that gets you automatic qualification, 
there's just a lot of unknowns, right? This is not in the Southern Conference where you knew that the road was going to go through Jackson, uh, through uh, High Point and Richmond. You know, wh- what is it going to mean from the standpoint of, as you said, Robert Morris, who I watched play an incredibly close game and fall a goal short or two goals short, I guess. They, High Point got an empty netter there yesterday. But, you know, this is, a, this is a Robert Morris team that's defending champs. And they upset Utah in the A-Sun Championship game last year. You know, in a, in a game that I think a lot of folks thought that the youth brought a lot of momentum into. So all I'm saying is that, you know, at the top of that league, there are a handful of teams that expect the same out of themselves. And so, you know, and, I, and still a tournament or bust, I guess. But at the same time, like, you know, it's it's not going to be easy, Is I suppose, yeah. is the last thing that I would say. Yeah, and I, I want to enjoy the ride. Uh, you know, Utah's record's not great, but we know how – good and dangerous they are air force is good robert morris is good bellarmine is is scary um and then we'll see what if mercer develops uh, terry around the landscape yesterday some so many great games every week there's so many great games it seems like the the non-ivy fans kind of root against the ivy so whenever because of last year you know we felt like notre dame uh, should have gotten in and the ivies had a, had a kind of a leg up Give me your thoughts on, you know, Yale beating Denver is a, is a really good win. Penn State beating Cornell, nobody should really be too surprised. Uh, Coach Tambroni going back to Ithaca and all the emotions there. Give me your thought on just the conferences right now. It, it's almost like the Champions League in, in soccer, the way I look at it. The, the Ivies, the Big Ten, the ACC, all competing to get into the, you know, the Champions League. Give me your thoughts on where the conferences stand right now. I think that the Ivy League, uh, cheering against the Ivy League stems, first of all, from, you know, perpetuity. Um, I think that they have been the villain in every story for 100 years. Uh, but I think also there's still a lot of lingering resentment over the way that they handled the 2021 season as well. So the fact that there were so many doubts uh, about their ability to compete and succeed in the 2022 season, and then, you know, the fact that those teams were all very good and, and certainly, you know, maybe on the, on the bubble – it felt like there were a couple of teams that unduly benefited or were selected that shouldn't have. Yeah, it all it all rolled up into whether it be large fan bases, specifically Notre Dame and Duke, which were pretty clearly the two victims of the six Ivy League teams getting NCAA tournament at large selections. Well, five got at large selections and one got an EQ. You know, I think that for me, um, it just kind of reflects the extremes of the pendulum, right? What we saw last year in terms of the Ivy League's out of conference success was a historical outlier. And then what we saw in terms of the way in which the fact that they all beat each other over the course of the regular, you know, the conference season, you know, it just compounded, right, the benefit of how successful they were out of out of conference. And, and a handful of those games that were really pivotal were close, you know, one-goal overtime games. So it, it, it demonstrates the narrow margin. This year, we had essentially one Ivy League win over a Big Ten or ACC opponent uh, to you know heading into this weekend, and it was it was Penn State's win. I'm sorry, it was Cornell's win over Ohio State last weekend. Yeah. They went 0 and 3 yesterday, so now the league is 1 and 8 against the Big Ten and ACC. What that means in terms of how many teams they might actually get into the NCAA tournament is really significant, really dramatic. And yesterday was a very bad day for the Ivy League as a result. Does it mean that we could only see – I mean, it doesn't seem realistic that it would only be a one-bid league. The prospects of it being a two-bid league 
and 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 having to have a lot of the dominoes that are left to fall fall in their favor in order to get into that three bid league type discussion seem very realistic, especially when you look around the rest of the landscape and consider that Villanova is off to a really hot start. Georgetown, as we've discussed, good team hasn't gotten off to the start that they've wanted to. Doesn't mean that they can't win the Big East championship. Certainly, that's been the standard that they've set for their program. And if that were to happen now, Villanova is taking up one of those at-large bids, and there are only eight of them. So the point is that the margins are very narrow. And before you even consider how good the ACC and Big Ten teams are in the context of the Ivy League, it's been a really rough go. And, and so while I think we all understand that teams like you know, Princeton and Penn are good, on the basis of the way that they've performed this year relative to last year, it's not going to be enough to get them into the NCAA tournament. So what it probably means more than anything else is that that conference tournament is going to be a dogfight for a couple of those teams who right now are a little bit marginalized trying to salvage their seasons you know, in the, in the first weekend in May. Terry, you know, I mentioned earlier that I enjoy the podcast uh, with Nick Ocello. When do you record it and when do you release it? So we record typically on Sunday evenings to, to release it uh, first thing Monday morning. Uh, depending on travel, Nick does color commentary for the NLL, so you know his his travel schedule uh, is a little bit more uneven than mine. Um, but that being said, we did record on Super Bowl Sunday when I was driving home from covering a game. So it's kind of all over the place, but that's when we tend to do it. You know, today a little bit of a reprieve with no men's Division One games on Sunday in a very rare turn. Uh, so we'll probably get that get that done and make sure that it's up first thing in the morning for. Uh, for folks to listen to on Monday. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, every, every time I reach out, you're so accommodating with your time. I know our listeners love hearing the the national perspective. I get kind of down in the weeds here in area code 904, but thanks again. I want to make sure that all of our uh, followers and listeners uh, check out the podcast and all of the great inside lacrosse coverage. Thanks so much, Ray. I really appreciate it. That was Terry Foy, the CEO of Inside Lacrosse. I want to thank our sponsors, the M Shack, Derek Prince Realtor, First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, and the Hoodoo Gurus concert coming up in April that we'll give away some tickets in the coming weeks and talk more about. We did run into Derek at the TPC the other day. It's always great to see Derek Prince from Derek Prince Realtor. I'm going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to bounce around high school, a little more college talk, our alumni talk, your texts and calls at 904-641-1010. It's This Week in LAX 904 on 1010XL. Now more of the fastest game on two feet with This Week in North Florida Lacrosse on 1010XL. Welcome back to the number one rated lacrosse show in all of North Florida. Chris, that title we had we've had it locked down for a few years. It's they're, impressive that they're we on held our it. heels though. Yep. So let's let's try to keep it up. You know, last week we talked I, I I flew solo, you and Jim weren't here, and we talked about having a poll to determine whether you guys would come back or not. And you're here, but I just have to put an asterisk next to it. I did run the poll. Mm-hmm. And but there was looks to be, appear to be some voter tampering. The election is in doubt. There's some election deniers. It was and rigged. It, it, well, uh, let me tell you, I went in and I shouldn't say this, but I can see who voted for what. And Applegate voted himself off the show like five times. So now I have to go back and and try to 
evaluate what really happened. Are we going to re-release the poll and get an updated poll? No, I think I like having you guys here to okay. kind of carry the show. I appreciate that. How about Coach Galloway? You know, he's losing his voice. His team's ranked number 12 in some of the polls in the country, you know, beating Duke, beating High Point, taking care of business against UMass Lowell and St. John's, and that one blemish against a really good Hopkins team who proved it again yesterday by beating Syracuse. So this Jacksonville team is for real. And when I had him on after, when I had Coach on after the Duke win, second year in a row, by the way, he said something that, I went back and listened to the show, kind of critiqued myself, and he said something that I didn't catch the first time. He goes, we're going to see them again. And what he was saying there was, we're going to make the NCAA tournament. They schedule those regionally, and mm-hmm. he fully expects to play Duke again. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, what what do you expect? It's it, That's his uh, Coach Galloway's team. He expects to be in the playoffs. He expects to win the national championship. I mean, that's that's kind of the mindset that you, that you have to have. And, and then Terry Foy, the CEO of Inside Lacrosse, the source for Lacrosse National News, he, he's so informative. I listen to his podcast. It pops up on my Spotify whenever it's released. There's about four of them that I listen to. I listen to Terry with Nick Asello. I listen to Quince. I listen to The Crease Dive, which is a little rough, and then uh, a couple of random ones. But Terry's is, is really good. They do a deep dive. And when you hear him talk about our local players, like Eric Dobson, who we – you know, named the player of the year a couple years ago, and now seeing him just tear it up at Notre Dame. You know, he's been on the Dylan Hess at Georgetown bandwagon for a while, but I want to run down some other performers. You know, I mentioned Jack Dowd, five goals in the first quarter against a pretty good York team, Division Three. Eric Dobson with four goals and an assist. Guy Bistro down at St. Leo, two more goals for Guy out of Providence High School. Uh, and a win over Flagler College. What a heartbreaker for the Saints and, and Coach Duncan, 13-11. to 11. Guy's got 14 goals and 13 assists already on the season. So he can score and he shares the ball. Uh, Gavin Coors out of Nice. He, they played two games this week. His first ever start, he won the starting job, 74% in a win. That's, uh, that's pretty darn good, uh, 74, 74%, uh, 14 saves on 19 shots. And then he followed it up yesterday. Uh, his team lost, but Gavin saved 21 of 36 shots for 58%. So he is averaging uh, 64% save percentage through uh, two starts. That's, that's impressive. That's impressive. And, we, you know, we got to watch him in college games in high school. So really encouraging to uh, see Gavin, and uh, we'll keep following him. The defensive players, it's hard to, uh, you know, just from the stats, they don't always show up in the stats, but – uh, Maui Wilhelm is starting for Lemoyne mm-hmm. up in Syracuse. Lemoyne is the number one team in the country in Division Two right now after Tampa losing. So you know, kudos to to Maui. I've got some people up there. I'm going to well, ask a little more detail about Maui. I have I have some stats on my uh, my spreadsheet. Okay. So Maui Wilhelm Wilhelm has five ground balls and two caused turnovers. Good deal. In that Notre Dame game yesterday, we talked about Eric Dobson, but. Uh, from Pontevedra High School, Carter Parlett had a cause turnover in that game, so he's getting some run as well. Uh, Brendan Nace had a goal this week uh, for Queens. Ashton Wood was 73% uh, in a loss to UMBC for Mercer. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I miss any? Uh, Ashton Wood then actually on 3-7 also was 11 of 19 for 58%, but I think you got pretty much everybody else. Good deal. Uh, switching over to high school, on Tuesday, I'm going to be calling the 
Bartram Trail at Episcopal game. It's a 530 start on 1010XL. Are you going to try to do it with me? I'm going to try and do it with you. Okay, yes. good deal. So we, when we talk about the high school, Pontevedra is up in Virginia right now. Uh, they're 9-1 and one on the season. They defeated a very tough St. Stephen, St. Agnes, 16-14. to 14. Maddox Johnson, the Denver commit, eight goals. That's impressive. In a, game, in a close game. Yes. You know, you've seen guys score eight goals in blowouts, but in a two-goal game against a good Virginia team, kudos. And they've got a tough one today. Uh, yes. So at 1 o'clock, they're playing Bullis, who I know St. Stephen and St. Agnes was ranked 25. I think Bullis is top 10, maybe I top think so. 15. Yep. In so the country. We'll, we'll keep an eye on Pontevedra. Bulls is 8-0 on the season. Uh, 19 goals per game average. Wow. That is impressive. And, you know, we've been in a couple of those games. They seem to be pumping the brakes in the fourth quarter. It's not like they're running it up. You know, they're emptying the bench. They're working it around. Uh, 321 is the big game for Bulls. So they've got some other games, but 321, Dublin-Jerome. Uh, Sean Ewert's father coaches that team. They're one of the top teams perennially in Ohio, mm-hmm. so we'll keep an eye on that one. Nice, 6-3 uh, and three on the season. Their losses were to Pontevedra, Bulls, and Pope. They've got Creekside coming up on the 22nd, Bartram Trail on the 28th, and St. Augustine. Well, that, that'll be a good test to see how good St. Augustine is. Bartram Trail is 5-3. and three. They've got Episcopal. On Tuesday, so we'll call that one. It'll be Coach Van Arsdale and Coach Carter going head-to-head. Uh, they've got Bowles on 322, St. Augustine, Nice, and Creekside. So I think we're going to learn some more about Bartram. Listen, it's Episcopal, Bowles, St. Augustine, Nice, and Creekside in the next couple weeks for Bartram. That's going to be a tough schedule right there. You know, Creekside's 8-3. and three. Uh, We saw them get kind of handled by Pontevedra. They've got wins over uh, Flagler and Bishop Moore this week after that Pontevedra loss. Uh, they've got Nice, Fleming Island, and Bartram Trail coming up. And then St. Augustine's 8-2 and two right now. Um, they, they they haven't played a really tough schedule so far, well, but they've St. got Augustine some testers just, coming up. St. Augustine just beat Fleming Island 10-9, to which I think was actually pretty impressive. Uh, but other than that, I think they've haven't played the hardest schedule. So we're going to learn a lot in the coming weeks. You know, one of the other things I'm keeping an eye on, Chris, is the LAX 904 Player of the Year. We mentioned a couple of those former winners in Ashton Wood and Dylan Hass and Eric Dobson. You know, we don't pick the guy who we think is going to go and tear it up in the NCAA. We pick the guy who has the biggest impact on and off the field, more on the field than off, um, because most of these guys, the vast majority, are great kids doing a lot of great things. So I'm starting to put my watch list together. I was I just about to ask if you had started your list yet. Have I you did. reached out to anybody else uh, for suggestions yet? No, I'm going to wait till I see a more, you know, a few more teams. So far, I've seen Pontevedra, Bowles, Creekside, Nice, Bart. Uh, I'll see Bartram and Episcopal this week. Mm-hmm. I've seen St. Augustine and Fletcher. So I'm slowly but surely making my rounds. I want to do the eye test first, and then I'll ask if I missed anybody, and then I'll start paring it down. But uh, as I mentioned in the past, it's the Jamie Chapin Award, named after a former Nice player who passed away much too young uh, from from cancer. A great lacrosse player, even better person. Uh, so we honor the memory of Jamie Chapin with the Jamie Chapin Award. And we've had so many great winners. I got to see uh, one of them last week up in Charlotte, uh, for the High Point Jacksonville game, uh, spent some time with Ryan Applegate. You know, Jim and I went up there and uh, got to watch the game with Ryan. And great to see him having coached him as a young goalie back before 
um, you know, probably middle school and then into high school and, you know, watching Eric and Dylan and Ashton and uh, some of the guys who were on our finalist list but didn't take the award home. It's just really encouraging to see all of these guys that are tearing it up in, in the NCAA. Yeah, and as as I build this list on my Excel spreadsheet, it, it's sometimes I forget about some of the players from the local area, but it's it, it is extremely impressive to see how many players from 904 are playing in Division One, Division Two, and Division Three lacrosse and contributing also. It, it is difficult because I try to go through. I've got the list in my head. I'm not as organized as you, but you know, checking on the guys at Wingate and there's guys getting playing time. Mm-hmm. You know, up there you've you've got um, you know a, a couple of players and then. Uh, well, uh, Tyler Moltisanti uh, and Dylan Ruprecht and Dylan Ruprecht at Wingate and uh, Griffin Gast at Stevenson. I've been checking in on him. He's getting uh, getting some time as well. Uh, we've got some other Div- one, Division One players that are you know getting some spot uh, duty uh, as young players. So the the list is ever growing. Uh, the one that actually jumped out recently is Freddie Amato from Pontevedra. He's at Lehigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got two goals on the season. So he's starting to get some playing time at Lehigh, which is impressive. Oh, yeah, and they're a good team. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have to uh, dial in on that one. Uh, Airstream Ventures and Vita DeLui present the Hoodoo Gurus live at the River City Railway on Friday, April 28th, with gates opening at 6 p.m. Tickets are now on sale for this epic band, and it will sell out at uh, this venue. There are many different options for tickets, so buy them today at 904ticks.com. That's 904tix.com. From What's My Scene to Bittersweet to In the Wild, their hits have transcended decades, and you will now get to see them live and in person. The Hoodoo Gurus live at the River City Railway on April 28th. Buy your tickets now at 904 Ticks and enjoy a great evening of music. Uh, we've been playing on uh, the last few weeks. Uh, What's My Scene is, the, is my favorite Hoodoo Guru song. Um, talked to uh, a friend of mine who's Australian, and she said she grew up listening to them. She's looking forward to the concert. Uh, so we're, we'll be giving some tickets away. Chris, you know, talk, going back to, to Jacksonville University, I, I follow them as a fan. I'm not a, a media member. I try to ask questions. And the way I look at it with lacrosse, I, I, I'm not critical. I try not to be critical. But if we want our sport to be treated like football or any of these other big sports, then the coaches and the players you know, need to be prepared for a little criticism. And when I look at Jacksonville – I don't have a lot to criticize. You know, I'm not, I, I, yes, I'm a homer. I root for them when I'm broadcasting their games. I try to play it down the middle as much as I can. But at first, I, I, you know, the the number of players that were running out there, I questioned it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to get the best, you know, 15, 20 guys and just hammer those guy, the other team until, um, you know, you get into a blowout situation, then empty the bench. And that's where I talked about Coach Galloway's player development. And I'm sure when you have a 50-plus man roster, there's people who feel like they should be on the field, but they're not seeing it. But this staff, Coach Grinelli and Coach Przinski and Coach Galloway, they are running more quality guys out than I've seen in my 40-whatever years of lacrosse. Let's see. Oh, it's probably closing in on 50 uh, years of lacrosse. And that's not a joke. They are putting – the, the game against uh, UMass Lowell that I called on ESPN Plus, they had three midfield lines, so that's nine guys, and then they mixed in another three or four guys that weren't on set lines but rotated in in the first half. That's unheard of. And then you look at that attack with being able to move uh, Intrieri and Nikki Brown back there along with uh, um, 
Dylan Watson and Max Waldbaum and Jacob Greiner. Wow. The short stick defensive middies with, uh, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I'm going to go off a of memory here. You know, Wanovich and Deacon and um, Denninger and so many. I'm forgetting number four's name right Tucker now. Tucker Garrity? Uh, Tucker, you know, how could I forget number nine, Tucker Garrity? Yeah. And that's unheard of. That's five deep at the short stick defensive midi. Three goalies playing. The close defense is solid, and now the long stick middies, uh, we're seeing four or five guys that I'm comfortable with seeing out there. There's, there's, We used to call it a fish. Like when you were going up and against opponent, you wanted to find the weak link. Let's find the fish, we used to call it. There isn't one on this team. There's not even close to one. They're, they're too, too deep uh, at every position on defense and even deeper on offense. Well, and, and what I like to see is when you start going through the box scores is you start seeing some other names, not just Max Walbaum and Dylan Watson on the score sheet. You see Gavin Angle, Ibrahim Pios uh, stepped okay, out so a little bit. So you got both of those names wrong. Angel? Angel and Pio. And Pio, okay. Uh, I only so. know that because I've been corrected on both of them. Well, I've been so. corrected now, so I'll try and get it. And then, like you said, Nikki Brown and then Jack Taylor. You're starting to see some more names uh, coming up. So it's not that we're just running players out there just to get them game minutes. We're exactly. running players out there, and they're contributing uh, within the game, which is impressive to see. So before we wrap it up, I just want to talk a little bit more about the ASUN because it, it's our first year in this conference. I said R, so I guess I am a homer. You it's are a Jacksonville's homer. first year in the conference. Just I think they've got it listed alphabetically now. Now, there's been two conference game, one conference game, Air Force beat Mercer. Uh, so Air Force is listed up top. Air Force, Bellarmine, Jacksonville, Robert Morris, Cleveland State, Lindenwood, Queens, Utah, Detroit Mercy, and Mercer. So six teams make the playoffs. Jacksonville starts the uh, schedule with the defending champs on Saturday, Robert Morris. So the, the first two teams get a bye, so it's obviously beneficial to end up one or two. Mm-hmm. And then um, the, the next four teams play – you eliminate um, two teams and then have the final four. Who do you think is going to get in? What's your uh, prediction? I'm going to say Air Force, Jacksonville, Robert Morris, Utah. I'm going to go with the Fighting Bell Armenians, and I'm going to go with Detroit Mercy. Um, but I would not be surprised if Cleveland State or Mercer could sneak in there. Yeah, I think the only I, I'm saying Mercer. I think they're starting to play a little bit better, but you never know at that last spot. You look at uh, Bellerman, they're five and one. That's just which uh, is impressive. And I was talking to Craig Carson, Armadillo, former Bellerman mm-hmm. star, faceoff man. I asked him if this was uh, the the best Bellerman Knights team in a long time, and he said he thought it was. I said it might be the best team ever, and he disagreed. He thought his team <laughs> uh, was the best. They were good. They beat Jacksonville with Craig going forty nine percent at the faceoffs mm-hmm. in twenty ten. Chris, fast show, great show. Thank you for uh, sticking with us. You've definitely earned your salary. Okay. Uh, As we go out with the Hoodoo Gurus, I want to thank Coach John Galloway of the JU Dolphins. I want to thank Terry Foy of Inside Lacrosse, all of our sponsors. Hopefully everyone gets out to the TPC. Hopefully you and I can make it back to Ponte Vedra through the traffic, swimming upstream. Thanks to Rob back in the booth. Tuesday. On 1010XL at 5.30, it's Bartram Trail at Episcopal. Chris, any last thoughts? I'm going to go to M Shack and get a uh, Sunrise Burger and some truffle parm fries. Okay, and everybody we can head get out some, there. Uh, 
cocktails at Cantina Louie on yes. the way out. Well, everybody, have a great Sunday. I am Ray Carnicelli. Follow me on Twitter at Lax904. Have a great day. Yeah.